what I would like to do this morning is I would like to carry on uh, with what we started last Sunday, speaking about the awakening. And uh, for those of you that are historians, particularly to do with church history, you know that there was such a deal called the Great Awakening, specifically uh, referring to uh, people coming alive spiritually. And uh, during the 1800s and early 1900s, there was in America, there was what they called the Great Awakening, where uh, the nation was secular, uh, as you could imagine. Secular meaning without God. And, uh, but there was a great awakening. There were people preaching the gospel uh, and so forth. And suddenly people started to come alive unto God and, and people got saved. Churches started to grow and, uh, and, and, and the nation uh, to, to a major extent was brought back to God. And, and we believe in God that our nation will be brought back to God. The roots are Christian through and through. We've got a Christian heritage in this nation and it's well documented now with some of the books that have been written. People like Cole Stringer, uh, who reminded us of our Christian heritage in New Zealand here. But by and large, the nation is now gone secular. Uh, and uh, we are trusting God for an awakening taking place in our own nation here and around the world uh, in these last days. So what I would like to submit to you this morning again, and I'm just going to recap for a little bit before we start to cover you know, new ground and everything. But we are standing on the brink of something huge, something big, something very powerful. God is pouring out His Spirit in His life days, uh, more so than what we have experienced in the past, particularly as we head towards the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about the fact that the outpouring of the Spirit began on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. In fact, we've just passed Pentecost some few days ago, it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, on the Christian calendar, is what they call the day of Pentecost, which is when the outpouring of the Spirit took place. Um, and of course, we can expect things to be to be cranked up, if, if I can use that expression. We, last week, we read a couple of scripture passages that describe to us what the future will look like. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 20 and verse 21, it says, Then the Lord said, But truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, it says, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we need to remind ourselves that what it looks like right now is not what it's going to look like in the future. God is working. God is doing things. And we are on board as a people, uh, as individuals, as a, as a church, as the body of Christ. We're working with God to, to prepare for greater things. Even the song that we sung here this morning, that greater things are still to be done in this city. It's really prophetic uh, words that greater things are happening, but God wants to use us. And God needs us to be on board to, 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 to help bring about what God wants to bring about in the earth. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So here we have got three passages of scripture that speak directly into the future. And the fact that God has spoken it, we know it will come to pass. All right, these are what we might call irrevocable, unchangeable statements from God that describe what the future is going to look like. And we are a part of the future. All right, and so praise God. Let me just commit our time to, to, to God in prayer this morning. We're trusting God to speak to us. And, uh, and uh, see, one of the things that we have decided that I minister part of this message at the ICFM conference, and it was deemed necessary that we should minister this message in this house here. The preaching of God's Word changes us. It enriches us. It equips us. And so I encourage you to stay locked in this morning because God wants to do something on the inside of us. Not just to bring stuff in terms of information, but God wants to reveal things to us. And our part is to how we can get on board and, uh, and, and be a part of what God wants to do in His last days. Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to You. We commit ourselves to You. And Lord, I commit this message to you that, Lord, I've prepared and I thank you, Lord God, that you will bring it out in a way, Father, that, Lord, that everybody can get on board. Lord, there's something in this for everybody. And we thank you, Father, that indeed our, glory, our future is glorious. You said, Lord, that the, day of the, uh, that the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter 
unto that day. And we thank you, Lord God, that we're looking forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, much work has to be done before then. And Lord, greater things have to be done in our city and in our region and in our nation. And so we thank you, Lord God, for nationwide revival. We thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for the glory of the Lord being revealed in these last days and people everywhere are coming alive unto God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We talked about the former and the latter rain, which, if you like, is a phenomena which happens in the Middle East, Northern Hemisphere, where as far as the seasons are concerned of, of sunshine and rain and the harvest and so forth, they talk about the former rain, which is typically uh, uh, rains that happen in the northern uh, autumn, uh, if you like, in September, October, November. And the, the former rains are, uh, are designed to soften the ground, get it ready for plowing and then for, for planting. And then they speak about the latter rains, where, which is uh, uh, the latter rains normally fall around uh, March, April, May, which is in the, in the northern spring. And that then gets the harvest ready for, for harvesting. And then the farmers come out, they put in the sickle, as it were, and then harvest takes place. And God uses that picture to describe to us what's happening in the realm of the Spirit. And here in Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain. Hello? He will come to us like the rain. So God speaks to us about the latter rain, and then He tells us that He's coming to us in a similar sort of a fashion, in a similar sort of a pattern. There is the former rain, which we've already seen 2,000 years ago, and subsequent outpourings, and there is the latter rain, which, by the way, has already begun. All right, We just can't expect an, an increase in intensity. So it says He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain on the earth. So, as we've already described, uh, the picture is there, and God wants us to know that there is more coming. We haven't seen all the rain that is going to happen. All right? And in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. And uh, some time ago, that scripture really struck me uh, to realize that just because it is the time for the latter rain, God still wants us to ask him for the latter rain. And we know that seasonal rains sometimes don't happen. And God wants us in the, in the natural, like, you know, when it's a rainy season or something, and, you know, so forth, sometimes uh, there's droughts. Well, we don't want a drought in the realm of the Spirit. God wants us to ask him for the outpouring of the Spirit. And we need to be persistent in that. We need to ask in faith, and we will keep on asking and keep on pressing in and keep on being a part of the answer until we see the fullness of what God has decided in the earth. And we said that our hunger for more of God's Spirit, uh, if you like, is going to pull down the reins of the Spirit uh, into our own environment, into our city, our region, and into our nation. And some years ago, we had uh, Cole Stringer come and visit this house. He made an interesting reference in regards to, to physics. He says, rain doesn't actually fall to the earth of its own accord. Rain is actually pulled down by gravity. And I thought that was interesting because just recently we've seen pictures of, uh, you know, the space station where they splash some water around and it just floats around until somebody takes the water and puts it into some sort of a tissue and, and deals with it. So in other words, uh, uh, God wants us to pull down the rain of his spirit uh, so it doesn't just float there, but God wants us to pull it down with our hunger, with our prayers, with our preparation, and God will absolutely answer our prayers. We spoke about three, three things that we can do to, to facilitate and to speed up the outpouring of the Spirit. Number one, we said prayer. Number two, we talked about personal preparation. And number three, we talked about corporate presentation. Corporate meaning that a whole church rather than just a few individuals in the church. And all the churches linked together. It's not just one denomination or another. It's, it's right across the board that as, a, as the body of Christ, we are saying, Lord, we want more rain. Lord, we need more rain. We are so aware that in our own strength, we can't do this thing. We need the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, uh, it speaks there again about the need for us to, it says in the bold print there, it says, change your attitude and your actions because an invasion of the Spirit is imminent. God wants us to prepare. 
And it's interesting that each time before God pours out His Spirit to a greater extent, to a greater measure, God calls for a deeper level of changed attitudes and changed actions. All right, to prepare ourselves so that when the rain comes, we can hold it and we can facilitate the flow of the rain of the Spirit. And then we pointed out that uh, the world's problems today will not be fixed through politi- by politicians. It'll not be fixed by economists. It'll not be fixed by a lot of uh, these things which are all necessary and all important. What the world really needs is uh, another outpouring of the Spirit. And I I was reminded there, like, we need many things. You know, there's a whole lot of things that we need. But what we really, really need is another outpouring of the Spirit. That's what we really need. And uh, so, praise God, uh, it just reminds us that the outpouring of the Spirit has begun. We want to see more. And we are learning and we are, we, as it were, uh, learning to step into greater levels of uh, the, the outpouring and to pull down more of God's Spirit. And then we talked about, uh, he talked about through an invasion of God's Spirit, God is bringing about personal, corporate, and societal transformation, beginning with you and with me. And that's important. It's, it's, it's no good saying, Lord, him or, or her. You say, Lord, begin with me. All right? Lord, begin with us. And Lord, let it spill out and go out way beyond uh, uh, so that uh, there is just a, a flood of the Spirit of God uh, being poured out right across our city, our region, and our nation. Let me read to you this morning from uh, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. Um, and we never got that far last week, and I want to just get into that because I believe it's part of that message. I believe it's part of the truth that needs to be proclaimed. So even proclaiming the truth, these words go out. And the Bible says that God's word is, has got power within itself to bring itself to pass, particularly when hearers receive the word and believe it. The Bible says we mix the word with faith and we begin to act it out. And that's when we see the glory of the Lord put forth to a greater degree. It's been interesting, too, that uh, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, when the Spirit is put out, um, in fact, let me back up here and read from Acts chapter 2, verse 17, because this is important. It says, It shall come to pass in the last days, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind. And what uh, was highlighted to me there some time ago was that God didn't say He will pour out His Spirit upon all the Christians. God didn't say he will pour out the Spirit upon the church. He said he will pour out his Spirit upon all mankind, indiscriminately being poured forth. Now, of course, another passage tells us that God's not talking about here that he will baptize everybody that's alive on the face of the earth with the Holy Spirit, but he did say he will pour out the Spirit upon them. So in other words, the Spirit upon them will begin to influence them. And when people get saved, then they get baptized with the Spirit. And then the Spirit is not just on the outside, but is also on the inside. All right. And what we need to recognize is when the Spirit is poured out, That's what brings the awakening. That's what causes people to start searching and to come alive and and start to hunger for God. And that's when people get dissatisfied with just going to work, uh, earning some money, spending some money, going home, uh, sleeping and getting up in the morning, having some breakfast, going back to work to earn some more money, to repeat the cycle over and over and over until they die. People know that there's more to it than that. But the outpouring of the Spirit really causes a deep dissatisfaction within people. And they're starting to look at spiritual things. And they're starting to look at things rather than today and tomorrow and next year and next decade. They're looking at eternal things. And it's all part of the influence of the Spirit of God on people's lives. We prayed again this morning in our prayer meeting that God would pour out His Spirit, that the Spirit of God would spill, invade people's homes, uh, that God would arrest people uh, by His Spirit in people's, in their kitchens, in their lounges, in their bedrooms, and that suddenly people think, I need to go to church, and then suddenly people come alive. And it's interesting, I'm aware that some of you, that's exactly what happened to you. You know exactly that's how you've come about to be saved, and that's how you got, some of you got reconnected again into the body of Christ, and that's part of the outpouring. And one or two came to see me after the prayer meeting and said, look, that's exactly what happened to us. We suddenly we woke up and we knew we had to do something about our spiritual destiny. We, had, we knew that something had to happen that things couldn't carry on as they are. And so there you go. And now pouring of the Spirit upon all mankind. Ezekiel 47 verse 1. The man brought me back 
to the entrance of the temple. So here is Ezekiel the prophet, and uh, he's being led around by a uh, by, by an angel, if you like, in some future event. All right, uh, and he says that he brought me to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out through the north gate and he led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. So basically, uh, this is in Jerusalem. Uh, this is in, in the temple there where this man had the privilege by way of a vision to be right there. And he noticed that there was water flowing out from under, from under the, 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 the threshold there. And in fact, in another portion of the Bible, it tells us that from the throne of God, there's water pouring forth. All right. It says, as the man went eastward, eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured up a th off a thousand cubits and he led him through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led him through uh, water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and he led me through the water which was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, what do you see? Then he led me back. Uh, rather, or do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on the other side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows down towards the eastern region that goes down to Arabia, uh, where it enters the sea. Then it empties into the sea where the water there becomes fresh. Now we're talking about Middle East. We're talking about uh, Israel there where the water flows out and flows down into what's called the Dead Sea. All right, and then it says it will become fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live there wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eglam. Uh, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be so left for salt. So the picture that we're reading here is that this is some future event where there will be a literal river flowing out from under the throne of God and flowing forth will flow down into the Dead Sea and all along the way, which is quite an arid area right now. There's not much growth. It's wilderness for the most part. And around the Dead Sea, we know the Dead Sea is the lowest point on the face of the earth. Uh, and it is absolutely dead. There's no fish in there. The salt content uh, of the water there is some 25%, um, six times higher than your average ocean. Uh, and I'm assuming that these figures are correct. And if they're not, don't worry about it, all right? <laughs> you know, you read after people and then you hope that what they're saying is right. But uh, uh, so effectively, there is a literal river that's going to flow out uh, and it'll bring life wherever it flows. All right. And uh, now, of course, we get a picture here where in terms of the outpouring of the Spirit of God and the river flowing forth, there is a picture here that we can embrace today and apply it in our own situation. And in fact, it's interesting. The Jordan River is mentioned in Scripture over and over and over because, I mean, it's one of the massive bodies of water that flows down from the mountains, flows into the Sea of Galilee and flows on down into the Dead Sea. Now, the Jordan River is typically, uh, when the, 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 the latter rains happen, it typically overflows its banks and flows out into the surrounding area. And the whole idea is that in terms of the latter rain, uh, that it brings water to bring the harvest ready. And that's what God wants to do now in these last days, to pour out His Spirit, to bring the harvest of souls ready to completion so that we as believers can go out and reap these souls and help people to get born again and help to connect them up with God and help them to connect up with the local church, which is God's plan uh, as far as that's concerned. Now, what you and I need to recognize is that the flood uh, that was happening uh, in 
in the, the floods that are happening year after year after year in that part of the world, they are designed to bring life into these uh, dr otherwise dry places, and they are designed to bring uh, these creatures in these swampy places and, and so forth, so that uh, all of these uh, marshes and all of these places that are otherwise not suitable for life, to bring life there. But what typically happens is when the river, the floods re reside again and flow back into the into the riverbed, if you like, the whole idea is that life will flow with it and all the fish that has come alive flows into the mainstream and then flows in the purposes of God. And friends, this is what's happening right now because it tells us here, it says that the swamps and the marshes will not be made fresh. They will be left for salt. And, uh, and I thought that was interesting. I thought, well, when that, that river flows everywhere, it'll just bring life wherever it goes except for swamps and places. Now, it'll flow into some of these swamps and into some of these marshes, but when the river then uh, uh, subsides and goes back into the riverbed, the idea is that it brings the fish out and they have enough sense to flow back with mainstream and then flow in the purposes of God. And a couple of weeks ago, I made reference to an incident, uh, a flood that took place up in the Waikato in some of the farmlands, and they got they got these waterways between the fields there that are filled with these uh, goldfish, with this carp, which is basically, an, um, just looks pretty, but it's basically an unusable sort of a fish. And nobody wants to eat it. It's full of bones, and it's not particularly nice. And some of you will remember the news report of some three, four, five years ago where the floods came and all the fields were underwater. All of that fish came out of these waterways and everything, and were right across the field. And when the water subsided again, the fish got caught on the fields, and there was carp littered right across the fields. And, of course, you know, water is gone. The fish died, and there was just a rotten stench right across the land. How many of you remember that? Some of you would. And you see, that's the picture that we're getting here, that God doesn't want fish to be stuck in these places. God wants fish to return into the mainstream in God. Now, here's the thought frame, that the mainstream in God is the church. All right? The church, if you like, is, the, is God's intended riverbed for that river to flow. Now, the, the, the Spirit of God is put out indiscriminately right across the board. But the idea is that all of these fish are brought out of these swamps, out of these marsh places, out of these dead places, and are brought into the local church where people can ongoing flow in the purposes of God and enjoy all of this good stuff. Now, the thought, uh, of course, then the picture is it, is, as it's expounded out, is this, that we have swamps and we have marshes today in the form of cults, sects, as well as various Christian groupings that have, disconnect, that have become disconnected from their local churches. And sometimes you come across a dear old soul or some believer somewhere that decided that the local church is no longer for them and they join up with some strange deal someplace, somewhere, and I'm saying that's not the will of God. God has not changed his mind as far as the local church is concerned. Uh, the local church is God's plan A, and God has no plan B. All right? And we need to be careful, but because in these last days there is a deception around. Uh, and of course, Matthew chapter 14 speaks into that. Book of Timothy talks that in the last days there will be times of deception. Times of great delusion, where even believers will get deluded. And, you know, sometimes you hear statements by, by well-meaning Christians, oh, well, you know, the church, it's, uh, you know, God superseded that now. We're all the church, we're just wherever we go, that's, that's where we are as the church. And I'm saying, okay, that is true in the sense that if people go somewhere, it's part of the local church reaching out. But there is such a thing as a local church, which is led, as we've got in the notes here, Local churches led by genuine pastors alongside the leadership and ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers are God's only legitimate riverbed. And God hasn't changed his mind about that. So we need to be aware that there is deceptive forces at work today that are trying to disconnect believers from their local churches to get them out into some, some deal that will end up being one of those, or that is one of those marshes, one of those swampy places that will not be made fresh. Uh, and interesting enough that uh, during the charismatic days, back in the 60s and the 70s, there were reports of, uh, 
of uh, even, even cultic places experiencing divine healings and different things. So when the Spirit of God was put out in these places, they started to record miracles. And it's like, wow. And you know, there's uh, reports of uh, uh, a, a, a spiritists and, and different groupings and everything that are absolutely not uh, a genuine Christian in any way, but they, exp- they started to, to experience some of the life of God. And the whole deal was designed that God says, I'll pour out my spirit indiscriminately right across the board. I want all of these people to come alive and to experience the life of God, but I want them all coming out. I want them all coming into the local church. And some of them did, and some of them did not. And then when things subsided again, and suddenly some of these people were stuck again in, the, in these marshes, what we might call these swamps there, and that is not God's plan. Now, let me talk to you um, from the New Testament now in terms of uh, some of the words of Jesus where he used some of the phraseology that we've just read there about this river that flows, which we might call the river of life that brings life wherever the river flows. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus, again, using terminology such as rivers, rivers of living water that will not just be flooding physically in terms of right across the earth, but the Bible says it will flow out from the innermost being of believers. Now, we need to get the picture here. In fact, we've got some photographs uh, of the Jordan River, uh, and it would be good to get those up, uh, guys. And there we go. So we've got pictures here of, uh, of uh, the Jordan River as it flows year by year during just the ordinary season. Uh, some of these pictures are 40, 50 years old, so they're not particularly uh, flash. But here you go. Here's a flood. Uh, the flood of the, of, the, of the river now goes out and it covers the countryside. And this is what God intends to do in these last days, that the Spirit of God is poured out in, in all sectors of society, upon politicians, upon people out in business, people in schools, people in prisons, and, and people in, in various other places. And indiscriminately, the Spirit of God is poured forth. Now, uh, what you and I as believers need to recognize is I mean, this is absolutely wonderful. This is absolutely fantastic. But even at times when we are not seeing as much as what we are going to see and as what we would like to see, every believer still has a deal within themselves where they can draw from the well of salvation and have, the, have themselves filled up where it's dry all around them. They can know how to have a time of saturation in their own personal lives. And if we're prepared to do a little bit of homework there, prepared to do a little bit of spiritual exercises of praying in the Holy Ghost and worshiping and, and doing all of these things, reading the Word and, and, and being faithful in, 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 in attendance in, in, in church and so forth and stepping into that, then we ourselves can be filled to overflowing regardless of what goes on around us, regardless of whether there is a flood happening right now or not. How do you know what I'm talking about? And this is exactly what Jesus Christ spoke into. He says, He who believes in me... Now, all of that in terms of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all of that deal is made available through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. Salvation would not be possible without Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. The baptism of the Holy Spirit would not be possible without what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. So everything goes back to Jesus Christ. But what we need to recognize is that Jesus is in heaven today. The Bible tells us he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we speak about the Trinity. We talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father is in heaven. The Son's in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is poured out uh, right across the board, right across uh, the region and the nation, and indeed right around the world. And we can expect there to be an upsurge in, in terms of people responding to the gospel. And as Peter pointed out before that, with some of the street evangelism that goes on, people are just, people are just amazed. It's like, wow, this is awesome. It's like, you know, there's not just, you know, shutting the door in your face there is an openness and this is all part of the outpouring people are like want to know 
and, uh, and people don't figure it out themselves. People need help to connect up with God. Now that could be in, the ter- in, in, in terms of uh, getting into a meeting such as this, or that could be on a one-on-one sort of a deal where you explain to them the plan of salvation, or it could be through a booklet, or it could be through a tract, or it could be through a DVD or a video or an audio tape that helps people to connect up with God. And that's where you and I as believers come in. God absolutely needs us to be on board to be out and about, to share the good news, because people are ready. People are ready. And you know the sad thing in uh, sad thing is the cults and various sects are evangelizing as well, but they're evangelizing people into the wrong deal. Uh, you know, lies and deception are running rampant. And you know the sad thing is that in some of these places, some of these people are so genuine and they're they're good people, good people. So it's not about running anybody down. I mean, if, if we have a problem with anything, we have a problem with lie and with, with deception. But the people are good. But the deal is that when they started to come alive spiritually and started to search and everything, they got hooked up with the wrong deal. And so that's why it's important that we are a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless of the label on the outside, on the building, in terms of which den- denomination it is, it needs to be a part of the genuine body of Christ. Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now those waters that Ezekiel spoke about, uh, and there is that picture there which is just uh, just so exciting really, because it speaks about ankle deep, and then measuring another 500 meters knee deep. Measuring another 500 meters waist deep, and measuring another 500 meters, and suddenly the river has increased in intensity. And this is not just measuring in terms of distance, but we could measure it in time. That uh, the further things go on, the more the, the, the water level of the Holy Spirit is rising, and, and so forth. And, and there are various interpretations that we can put on, or applications is probably the better word. We can apply some of these things that when a person gets born again, they're in ankle deep water. They're now walking in the Spirit. They're now, you know, they're born again and they're in God's will and so forth. But as time goes on, God expects us to grow up. And then, you know, we get into knee deep. You know, the knees speak of a, of a posture of prayer. When we pray and we get down on our knees, begin to begin to pray for God's will to be done, not only in our own lives, not only in our own family or in our own church, but right across the board. And we are interceding for the nation. We're looking beyond our own needs. And then it speaks about waist deep. Uh, you know, there's pictures here in, in the scripture where they talk about an apron that you put on and you, 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 you gird it about your waist, which speaks of service. So we're not just born again and we're not just praying, but we're now serving. We're fully available to serve God and using our gifts, our our talents and, and everything that we have, including our finances for the, for the extension of the kingdom of God. And the next deal there, it says the river was so deep that it couldn't be crossed, you had to swim in it. Now one thing I've discovered, and many of you will testify to this, when you swim in the river, you don't determine the direction. You're just staying afloat. And you know, sometimes there's a deal that the further we go on in God, and, and whilst God opens up doors and opportunities and everything, but there's other options that will absolutely disappear. Every option that's outside of the will of God should absolutely disappear. And rather than saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try it, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. It's like, God willing. What does God want us to do? Lord, now that I'm born again, now that you are the boss of my life, what do you want me to do? I could go in 150 different directions. But when you're in the river, you're floated along and you're like flowing along in the purposes of God, in the will of God. And all of that, my friend, is with view of enjoying some rewards in the time to come, that when we get to heaven, that God will reward us for everything, our prayers, our service, our giving, our everything, there will be rewards. And not only in the time to come, but even for now, there are benefits for all of these things right now. Jesus said, rivers of living water will flow out of his innermost being. And so the deal is, friend, that we get filled. The deal is that we could be in the middle of a dry spell, a dry situation spiritually, and we still know how to connect up with God. We still know how to get ourselves filled. Maturity in a believer is not measured in how many years they're born again. It's not measured in how much they know, but it's measured in how much we are actually walking in and how available we become to serve, to give, and to be a blessing to, uh, to others around us and to humanity as a whole. 
Um, it's an interesting thing, but uh, there is a term that's now used in the body of Christ that occasionally we hear about, that praise God when people start you know, getting into church on a regular basis, and that's absolutely part of the will of God. God wants us to flow in that mainstream, to be a part of a local church and to attend uh, the meetings and to serve in the house and everything. And that's wonderful, absolutely necessary and important. But there's another deal where in people's own personal lives, uh, every believer sooner or later has to learn to become a self-feeder, meaning that we learn to feed ourselves. At a certain point, what we get on a Sunday in a church service is no longer enough. At a certain point, we need to feed ourselves. And not everybody starts out in one or another. Sometimes people that got born again outside of a local church have learned to feed themselves somewhat. And, uh, but of course, it's difficult because unless you have teaching, you know, the Bible is a pretty big book and you can get off on some tangent and everything. So being a part of a local church under the leadership of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers with a, with a general uh, God direction, God vision being laid out, we can be a part of it and we can flow along and we can feed ourselves and mature and use our gifts and use our talents and be a blessing to humanity. And the deal is that this river in Ezekiel chapter 47, it brought life wherever it flows. When I'm born again and spirit-filled, I can go into dead places, dead environments, and I can bring life into that particular situation. I can encourage somebody that is experiencing death in their marriage and that marriage is about to bust up, and I can speak words of life into that situation and encourage people to hook up with God and to walk in forgiveness and so forth, and suddenly something that was destined to die suddenly lives. And that's the whole idea of a spirit-filled believers. Wherever we go, we can go and we can spill out life into situations, into our work places. And you know, there is a, a teaching that went around years ago, and it's so wrong. It's so wrong. They're talking about everything's going down the gurgle. There's like, there's going to be just a disaster everywhere. Everything's going down. Things are going down socially. Things are going down economically. Things are going down politically. It's not God's will. God's will is that life are happening in these different places. And for us as believers, we are, if you like, little containers, little vessels uh, that are carrying the glory of the Lord into our workplaces. We're praying for our work environment. God doesn't want it to go down. God wants it to flower on account of you. It's interesting. We look at, uh, we look at um, uh, the prayers that Abraham prayed for, you know, for Sodom and Gomorrah and he made intercession with God and uh, he, he's like talked about, you know, how many righteous are there and some of you remember the passage there. God doesn't want to destroy anything. God doesn't want to wipe anything out. God wants life to go there. And for us as believers, we are carriers of the blessing of the Lord. And the company that you work for should be blessed on your account of being there. The place that you go and visit should be blessed on account of you having been there and having brought the presence of God into that environment. Like we're going out into the streets and street evangelism, sharing the good news. It's all part of spilling forth that river of life that people can partake of and everything and come alive and come into mainstream uh, itself. That's the plan of God. So absolutely, a spirit-filled believer who is actually spirit-filled. <laughs> Bit of an anomaly there. But how do you know that somebody could have been spirit-filled five years ago and could be as dry, bone-dry today as can be? And that's why we're learning to be self-feeders. We're learning to feed ourselves regardless of what goes on in our environment and in our city. And as far as a flood is concerned or no flood, we know we've learned how to tap into God and hook into God and get ourselves filled and then to spill out as we go. All right. In verse 37, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And I'd like to speak to you about an absolute criteria, a prerequisite uh, in order for us to be filled, and that is spiritual thirst. Spiritual thirst. Um, spiritual th thirst manifests in a variety of ways. Uh, the, the main one, I guess, is we want more of God, and that's fantastic. But spiritual thirst, and there's sort of uh, um, other sensations with it. One of those could be just an outright frustration. Just frustrated. There have been times in my life where I was just so frustrated. I thought it was the midlife crisis, but it happened 20 years ago. 
and uh, I'm not having the midlife crisis until I get to 60 years of age. And I've already told you, I'll have it on Monday in the morning at 10 o'clock, and it'll be over by 11 o'clock. And so, but I'm talking about uh, frustrate. I'm just frustrated. It's, like, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, it's part of a spiritual hunger. It's like I want more. I'm dissatisfied with where I am. There's got to be more to this whole deal. And what that will do is it'll drive us forward. It'll drive us on our knees. It'll drive us into the Word and praise God for everything we're getting in terms of preaching and on a Sunday and everything. But it's not enough. It drives us into the Word and say, God, there is more to this deal. And Lord, you've made, given us promises. We, we find the promises and we go back to God. And God, you've promised that you pour out your Spirit in these last days. Lord, uh, give us the latter rain in the time of the latter rain. And let's not be nice about these things. Let's not be PC. Let's get loud. Let's get boisterous, I say. Let's get radical. This is not a time for nice prayers. <laughs> ha! Oh, I tell you, it's interesting. Uh, they talk about different revivalists that have walked the earth and since gone to heaven. And uh, one of those is... Uh, uh, Alexander Dowie, who was a, a preacher that uh, started out in South, South Africa and went to America. And uh, some of you know the story. He's the man that actually founded the city of Zion uh, in, in the States, which is still there to this day. And somehow he, he was great, he, he, but he went off a little bit towards the end. And he was just going to build a city without any of these unchurched people and wanted to separate himself. Well, that's actually not God's will at all. God wants us to be right in amongst everybody and spill out as we go. But anyway, one of the things was that uh, that uh, uh, John Alexander Dowie and others, when they got into situations where the power of God was, was needed for people, you know, for people to receive healing and everything, he got so excited and he got so stirred up that when he began to pray, there was almost like a shouting with it and almost like a, a tenacity with it that where the religious folk got so upset with that. They said, you don't have to shout and everything else. But you know, it's, this is not a time for nice prayers. This is not a time for being just nice and non-offensive. I mean, if people get offended, it's their problem. It's not our problem. Now, I'm not talking about being offensive. We're not here to, to offend people. But if we get excited and if we get passionate about things, well, we can't please everybody. We can't please everybody. But some people are going to get pleased by it. Some people are going to get saved out of it. And some people are going to jump on board. And some people are going to step into the river to experience more of this life that we're speaking about. So, friend, the deal is that the thirstier we are, the more we will drink, and the oftener we will return for another draft. This is one of the things. I grew up on a farm. I mean, I know how it works. When the horse was thirsty, it went, <laughs> it just had another drink. And then when it was more thirsty, it just went back and had another drink. And the cows did the same thing. And it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like the thirstier they are, the more they drank. And, uh, and, and, uh, and the drier it was, and the sunnier and the drier, the more they drank. And so it is for us. To, you know, if we think, well, things are just not quite how they should be. Things are just not quite as saturated as what they should be. Well, we've learned to become self-feeders. We just have another drink. Let me read to you this passage here from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. In the message translation, Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs. Some of us will remember those drinking songs. It's amazing how that is. <laughs> We've been there. But now we sing hymns instead of drinking songs. We sing songs. It says sing songs from your heart to Christ. We didn't sing to Christ back then, I tell you. We, we, we sang bad songs. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God and the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. Other translations says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What does it mean to, to, to be filled? What it means, uh, it means have another drink. Drink the Spirit of God. There's the natural and there's the spiritual. Water, if you like, in this particular context, is a, is a, is a, is a picture of the Holy Spirit that is being poured out and that is available now to drink. And this is the deal. You can put somebody into water and they still won't drink. But others will. But we, we, we have learned to be, we could be outside of water and still know how to drink and still know how to get ourselves filled. And we've learned to become what is called self-feeders. 
Ephesians 5.18, in another translation here, it says, Stop drinking, uh, I start again, Stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. And that's what I tried to say before, that somebody that was filled five years ago doesn't mean that they're filled today, unless they've learned to keep on being filled. And unless they've learned to, to drink, unless they've learned to, to, to get themselves filled up again, they will not be filled today. And so the, the question is not, are we baptized with the Holy Spirit with the ability to speak in other tongues? But the question is, are we filled today? And have we learned how to be filled tomorrow? And will we be filled on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and wherever we go that we can spill out onto other people? That's the question. Isaiah 55, the theme is right throughout the scriptures here. It says in verse 1, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And the wine and the milk is not speaking about literal wine or literal milk. It's speaking about the wine of the Spirit and about spiritual sustenance that is available to every person alive today. It's it's profusely abounds in, in the churches. Uh, you can get spiritual food in churches where preachers are pouring out spiritual food or dishing up a meal Sunday after Sunday and get into the connect group meetings and week after week there's just wonderful stuff being shared. It's all spiritual sustenance that helps us to be strong, helps us to be filled and helps us to be ready for these last days. And uh, we need to realize that one thing I found that when I go out into into the outdoors and I roam around in the hills or in the, and crossing streams or what have you, do, doing a bit of hunting, which doesn't happen a great deal these days. But I know exactly if I'm out and about, man, I'm eating a lot of food. Like, I need a lot of strength. And my friend, there's a lot of stuff going on today in society. There's a lot of drain on us and there's challenges. People are challenged at work. People are challenged financially. People are challenged physically. People are challenged with the... Other people trying to give them a hard time. And so we need to be strong for these last days. We need to be absolutely filled. And we are. We are getting more and more filled. We're getting more radical, let me tell you. If you thought that we were radical now, you haven't seen the half of it yet, I'm telling you. Just watch this space. It says, ho, everyone who thirsts. Ho! <laughs> this is not Father Christmas with ho, ho. Uh, it's not that. And it's all right. Uh, in fact, if I'm... No, no, let's not go there. I'm thinking of some of the drinking songs we used to sing. sing this. Let's not go there. But this is about everyone who thirsts. And the question is, am I thirsty today? For more, are you thirsty? Are we, are we stepping into from the ankle deep into the knee deep, into the waist deep, into the place where we are swimming and where there's so much around, and as we've seen on this picture uh, there before, that the whole countryside is flooded. God wants to use us to bring about the flood in the earth today. It's not all just going to come down from, from heaven down, as it were. It's us going out and spilling. Uh, you know, there was preachers like George Whitfield and, and, uh, and others. Uh, they talk about the Wesley brothers, one of those who went to America and started to preach and they went around on horseback just going from town to town, from city to city, preaching the gospel. And these guys were so filled with God that they started to spill out and started to spill out and God used that in saturating uh, uh, people with the, with the outpouring of the Spirit. And there's like a, a correlation between the two. It's not all one. It's not all the other. God wants the both. And we are a part of the plane in terms of bringing about the great outpouring of the Spirit of God. Everyone who thirsts, Isaiah 55, come to the water, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. The reason why we don't need to buy, and we can't buy the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and another infilling, it's already been paid for. Jesus paid for it on the cross of Calvary. He dealt with the sin problem. He dealt with the, with the dryness problem. He says, okay, because of everything I've done, you can be saved. You can have your sins forgiven. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and all the benefits that are included in that. Some of us get a bit used to this deal. Uh, I was just thinking the other day, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on. A whole lot of stuff going on. We've got natural disasters. We've got volcanoes. There's earthquakes. There's tsunamis. And then there's the financial deal going on and the economy and everything. And sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm thinking about it. I wonder, I wonder how unsafe people are getting on with all of that who don't have this hope that we have. 
who don't have the Holy Spirit and who have, who have learned to no longer worry but to learn to trust in God. And some, some of us, we just get used to that and we go about our business and say, well, you know, sometimes when things get a bit tough, we just know it's going to work out because God does that. God just causes things to work out for his people and everything. Well, how do all the other people get on? Well, they don't. They don't get on. That's what drives them to drink wine and to take drugs and alcohol and all of this other stuff to prop themselves up. And some of them got the tenacity to say that Christianity is a crutch. I mean, how about that? I mean, that's just uh, silly, really. (laughs) Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. And he said to me, this is Jesus Christ. Uh, He says, he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. How thirsty are we today? I know we're thirsty, but, but are we thirsty enough to step outside of the mold and outside just being nice and outside of, oh, it's just let's not upset anybody. Let's just step beyond that and get absolutely so thirsty that we get so desperate that we don't want to live another day of experiencing dryness on the inside of us, we're absolutely reaching out. This is book of Revelation, second to last chapter. He's still talking about thirst. He talked about it way back, talked about it in Isaiah. Jesus talked about it. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and I will give him rivers of living water and, and, and so forth. And here in the last chapter in the Bible, he's still talking about it. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. So we all say, come. When we share the good news with somebody, we say, come, get saved. Come, come to the waters. Come, come to Jesus. Get saved and, and get born again and get filled with the Spirit and, and enjoy the benefits and then help somebody else get born again. Come, let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And this is the deal. Somebody or some animal could be sitting in, in water floating around and die of thirst because it's never desired to partake of everything that is available. And friend, you and I as believers, uh, we are learning more and more to be self-feeders and absolutely get ourselves filled. Last scripture here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul the Apostle speaking, he says, That is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of Fan the flame off and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Paul the Apostle speaking to young Timothy, who was a young minister. And he said, Paul says, come on, Timothy. He says, stir up the gift that is in you. The gift's there, but the gift needs to be stirred up. Well, that's not just for ministers, that's for every believer. The gift's there. The infilling is there, we just need to get stirred up again. And the picture there is used where it's talking about rekindling the embers of or fanning back into flame. Everybody knows that unless a fire is stoked, and unless you give it more combustible material, it'll just sort of die out, and it'll just die right down, and everything. And that's the picture. says, come on. It says, fan it into flame. Stoke it up again. And you know, the stoking up, and we've learned uh, when Fergus McIntyre was with us, that, you know, God is like a consuming fire. And sometimes, in order for the fire to burn, we've got to lay some things on the altar. We got to, every weight and the sin that so easily besets and tries to hold it down. We lay it on the altar and let that thing get burned up. And uh, when we get lighter, you know, <laughs> even sheep, when they go to be shorn and, uh, and everything, you know, they skip around afterwards because all of that heavy weight is off of them and, and everything. Because there, there is that whole deal of lightening the load and only carrying the burden of Jesus, not being weighed down with worries about tomorrow. What about the job? What about the business? Somehow, God will cause it to work out so long as we trust in Him. God's able to do that. All right? So long as we walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. And these are all the benefits that we're describing to some extent in regards to what happens when we're absolutely filled and saturated with the Spirit of God. He says, keep burning the gracious gift of God, that inner fire that is in you. And I would like to ask the questions today. The inner fire that is in you today, is it really burning? And 
what are you doing about it, number one, to keep it burning? And if it's not really humming and like it should and everything, what are you prepared to do? How thirsty are you? How hungry are you to reach out and say, God, I'm so dissatisfied. I need more. And learning to just stay connected with God. And yeah, you see, even just sometimes just praying in the Spirit, we just pray in the Holy Ghost and get ourselves refilled. It's just pressing in the time of praise and worship, not allowing ourselves to be distracted, just pressing into God. And each time we do there's just an infilling and and that hunger drives us to the word and we read the word we feed and then we meditate in the word and then you actually step out and we apply these things and it's just amazing i've learned when people step into an environment it could just be just stepping out and starting to work in children's church and, and starting to give out and you know when there's a giving out there's life that begins to flow the whole picture here of this uh, Jordan River as it flows down from the hills and flows into the what's called the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake. It's filled with fish. And then the same water flows down presently in the natural, flows down into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is as dead as can be. And it's been pointed out that the, the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life because it receives and it gives. But the Dead Sea is only gimme, gimme, gimme. The more water you give it, it'll, it, 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 it just nothing changes. Nothing changes. So we need to learn to step out from beyond just being born again and walking in the Spirit like with this ankle deep to actually getting into a, a life of prayer and stepping into a life of service and stepping into a life of being absolutely dedicated to the purposes of God. And there we learn that suddenly, wow, as I'm giving out, you know, uh, it's like some of us remember the very first time we let somebody to the Lord and the thrill and the exhilaration there's just nothing like it there's just nothing like it and then you know some of you now you know ministering to little children and and just the gratefulness of these little souls I mean wow and and you can absolutely come alive and and for others it's not like you know doing this or doing that it's just service just just laying down our lives to serve and giving God combustible material that God can use to burn up and to stoke our lives afresh. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Just before I completely wind down and close the service, I just wonder if there's anybody here this morning and, and you heard everything that was said and somehow it resonates in your spirit. You somehow know that, uh, that God's alive. You know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, but you haven't somehow managed to connect up with God. Uh, the Bible says that we must be born again, otherwise we will not see the kingdom of heaven. It's not enough to know about God. We need to surrender our life to Him. And that's what it means to be born again, to surrender our life to Jesus Christ and uh, to live for Him, to become born again, become alive to a God on the inside, to become dead to sin and alive to God. And a simple prayer meant from the heart is absolutely going to achieve that. It's not something that requires, uh, you know, days or weeks or months or, or years to, 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 as it were, to achieve just one simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you. Forgive my sins. I believe that you died on the cross. I surrender my life to you. Make me born again or something to that effect. And it's not even the fancy words that are important. It's just what we're to be meaning in our heart that's important. And some of you that are here this morning could very well be that you've just got to this place and now you're suddenly realizing that you're not born again. You have not made a full connection with Jesus Christ. Now I would like to invite you this morning to respond to God's invitation by just briefly raising up your hand and putting it back down again. And basically what you're saying to God is, God, I want to be born again. I want to be in that, in that main river of God. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to have a fresh start in life. I want to, I want to learn how to get myself filled uh, so that I can cope with life's challenges better and, and more easily. And uh, I wonder if there's anybody here that says, yep, that describes me. That, that's who I am. Just want to raise up your hand. And just let me assure you, I'm not going to make you stand up and you don't have to confess your sins for the next three hours. You're just surrendering your life to Jesus and you're saying, me, Lord. You're just raising up your hand saying, me, Lord. That's what you're saying. Is there anybody here that will say, well, I, I want to do that. I just want to just give you a moment to just respond. There's eternal decisions that are made in, in this type of situation. So you want to rush the process. Just give people time and thank you, Jesus that you're moving upon hearts and upon minds. 
helping people to connect up with God, to be born again. Is there anybody here that says, ah, I need to do that? Praise God. I want to make a second call. Uh, if you're here this morning and you know you're born again and, uh, and somehow you know that you've had the fire of God on the inside of you, but somehow things have sort of waned a little bit and it's just no longer like it, it once was and you want things to be stoked again and to just rekindle again. Uh, in fact, you're about to swing into a time of prayer, but I just wonder if you would say, well, that's me. I, I need to own up. I, I, I'm, I know it's not how it should be and, uh, and, and I want more of God. You're indicating to God that, Lord, you're saying, I'm spiritually hungry. I want more of you. I lay my life on the altar. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to live for you, not for myself. Is there anybody that says, I need to respond to that call? Praise God. I see those hands. Thank you. There's probably others just uh, allowing. And sometimes if, we, if we're passive about it, nothing changes. I see that hand. Thank you. If we're passive about it, nothing changes. A horse that's thirsty stands in front of a lake, but is passive, will actually die of thirst. And so we mustn't be passive. Just stepping out. Let's all stand to our feet for just a moment. I think it'd be good if we could have just the worship team come up. Let's just all begin to stretch our hands to heaven right now. And just begin to uh, pray in the Spirit, and uh, it's all right. We're all believers here, or should be. Let's just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now and just tap into that stream of God that uh, there is a fresh infilling that's coming. There is a flood that God wants to pour out on, on our lives afresh this morning to saturate every area of our lives. Let's just do that right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just begin to pray in your prayer language right now. Raise your hands to heaven. Forget about the person on the left or on the right and, and, and just press into God right now. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the invasion of the Spirit. Lord, not just into our own lives, but into our environments. Lord, into our places of work. Lord, into the school, into the shops, into the sports clubs, into the fields, Lord God. Wherever people are, you're pouring out your spirit. And I thank you, Lord God, that we are carriers of the glory of God. That you're filling us afresh with your spirit so we can spill out life, we can spill out the gospel, we can spill out encouragement, Lord, in all of these places in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for that, Father. More of your spirit, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Saturate, saturate the ground, Lord God. Souls everywhere are coming alive unto God. One of the tricks of being filled with the Holy Spirit fast is to get over any mental block that you have in regards to praying in the Holy Spirit. You want to be absolutely comfortable praying in the Holy Ghost. And they are not allowed there to be any hindrance. Some of you have yet to step over this line. Why don't you do so this morning and say, I'm never going back again. I will never again be embarrassed about this gift that God has given me. 